0: netcasts you love
1: from people you trust
0: this is twit bandwidth for security now is provided by aol radio at aol.com podcasting this is security now with steve gibson Episode 98 for June 28, 2007. Internet Identity Meta Systems. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, on the web at www.astaro.com. And by Nerds On Site, looking to grow your IT service business? Find out how Nerds On Site can help. Visit IWantToBeANerd.com. Time for a little security. It's always nice to have a little security when you go out on the net. You can never have too much security, Leo. My security blanket, Mr. Steve Gibson. Some, some call you a wet blanket. <laughs> you sometimes take the fun out of our surfing, but uh, it's always good to know what the dangers are. Mr. Security blanket, Steve Gibson. Hey, you're I actually get... not here right now. Let's hope that moniker doesn't <laughs>
1: stick. <laughs> you're, in, you're at Havid, Havid right now. Yeah, they asked me to uh, come out and keynote the, the kickoff of a conference symposium there that's being hosted at Harvard Law uh, on spyware. And uh, so I said, yeah, that sounds like fun. I'm going to be on a panel and uh, and start off the conference. Um, what day is that? On Wednesday. So, so it's, it's already happened. Yeah. yeah, It's already happened. But of course, Wednesday is, a norm, is the day you and I are normally recording our podcast for airing the following thursday so we're recording
0: this one early but that's fine well i have a you will have already given your speech and have been a great success but i'll tell you now i have a have a great time and you know i think harvard's doing a lot of really they have the berkman center which is an amazing center for the internet uh they're doing a lot of really good stuff in that area good for them
1: Well, the Internet turns out not to be a fad, after all. Amazing. Who'd have thunk it? It's here to stay. (laughs) Now, today, and I don't want to
0: scare anybody away, we're going to talk about Internet identity meta systems.
1: Yes, that's a mouthful, uh, but actually it plays perfectly into the idea that the Internet is not a fad, because, and it also follows on what we've been talking about recently about the issues of authentication, Ah. because this goes sort of the next step in that chain is sort of more robust identity and an even identity with content, which we alluded to a little bit before. So that's our topic for today.
0: Great stuff. Before we get into that, do you mind if I um, talk a little bit about Astaro? Oh, do please. They are our sponsor, our most esteemed sponsor. We're very happy to have them uh, on the show. Uh, They've been here now for over a year. And it's a good relationship because one of the reasons I like Astaro is they use open source software to make the best security products there. And don't just take my word for it. They've won so many awards from CRN magazine, SC magazine, PC magazine, these top of the line best of the year awards. The Astaro security gateway, that's their kind of flagship product. It's a piece of hardware about the size of a router. It's not not huge. Not it, it look, you know, it doesn't look like a big old Server or a big old security gateway, but let me tell you, what it, what it lacks in size, it makes up for in power. It a uh, uh, best of breed in open source and commercial software, with covering every bit of security. I mean, you get email security, anti-spam, anti-phishing, dual virus protection, checking every incoming email, transparent encryption. You get web filtering, I'm a content filtering and anti-virus filtering, spyware too. You even can control peer to peer and instant messaging clients. You get network protection, the best in breed firewall, remote access, VPN, and intrusion protection, all in a very easy to use, robust package. And you don't have to take my word for it. You could try it absolutely free. Call 888, the number four, Astaro, 8884 ASTARO for a free in office trial of the Astaro Security Gateway. You can really see it at work. It is an amazing thing. The new version seven has so many nice new features like the SSL based VPN. IPsec, L2TP over IPsec, PPTP tunneling all through v- SSL makes it so easy to implement. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on, but just try it yourself. I think you'll like it. Download a copy uh, for non-commercial users and put it on a beige box. You've got great security, great protection, including all the antivirus and stuff, anti-spam. Uh, that's, that's a great way to go for your beige box. A-S-T-A-R-O dot com. And if you're in business, get a free trial. At uh, at eight 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 the number four Astaro, astarocom A S T A R O dot com we thank them so much for their very positive contributions to security. Now, do we have any uh, letters or uh, email you'd like to take care of an uh, addenda before we get to the meat of the matter?
1: We do. Uh, I got a couple interesting notes in the mailbag. bag. Uh, Matt Sharp in. Okay, now I assume that his hands did not slip on the keyboard. Uh, when he was typing where in the UK he is, A-B-E-R-Y-S-T-W-Y-T-H. Wait a minute, I have to write that down. A-B-E-R-Y-S-T-W-Y-T-H. <laughs> give, it, give it a shot, Leo. <laughs> Why, of course, that's
0: abery St. Eith. I buy that, and it and it is a very well known. It's probably I don't know where it is. It's probably Welsh. Yeah, you could probably put it in Google and be looking I, down at the top of his head. I should, uh, yeah, right, because it's probably just him. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in
1: Google and see. That's very interesting. Aber, Aber, abery Saint Elth. Meanwhile, what does he, he writes, say? He says, "Hi there, Stephen Leo. I love Security Now, and I'm a regular listener. Believe it. Uh, I believe in one of your recent shows. You mentioned how to ensure." That the web page you are visiting is secure by checking for HTTPS, the padlock, and that the signing authority is trustworthy. However, I have a question about that last detail. How can the average user know whether the certificate is signed by a proper authority? I have uh-huh. seen. Aha. Uh-huh. He says, I have seen IE7 showing its green bar on eBay and PayPal, which is great because you know you really are safe. But what about all other sites that are signed by Authority X? Is there, well, I don't think X, well, anyway, uh, you know, of course you didn't mean X, literally. Is there any good way to know who is trustworthy and who isn't? Good question. Well, it's a great question, but this really brings home a peeve that I have. Um, That green bar is really cool and it costs any site that wants to provide it, $1,500 a year. You won't be seeing it on my site. It really, that really frosts me, Leo. Um, VeriSign has what they call their 128-bit SSL with EV. You know, it's like the Tecrolene additive, Um, with ev now with ev that's exactly right it stands for extended validation and all it is is nothing all it is is a is a certificate (laughs) that they rake you over the coals because if you you were a
0: hacker you wouldn't have 1500 bucks to pay for this
1: well and leo i would buy it if i had to buy it once but that's Every a year. 1 year certificate. Sir. If you go for 2 years, oh they give you a discount. It's only 2695. That is $2,695 for 2 years. And then, you that know, explains oh, why I'm
0: not seeing a lot of green bars on the uh, it web. It
1: just really bugs me. It's like, hey, I want that. I, am you know, I've got 128 bit certificate, but it won't light up green unless I pay them a lot of green. That's a scamola. And oh, it really, incredible. it is such a scam. That just really bugs. And by
0: the way, I completely mispronounced it, <laughs> and I'm not going to try to mispronounce it. Oh, believe me, I. It, it is Welsh, though. It's it, it's Mid Wales main seaside resort, a berry Swith or something. Uh, it's in the heart of Cardigan Bay, and it is the town of fifty pubs. So there A you Barry Swith. I think that's exactly how you would say that. that. Looks like a Barry Swith. Yeah. I don't, I, it's, but it's in Wales and nobody can, pr- only the Welsh can pronounce Welsh names, I'm afraid. So I'm
1: not well, going to attempt it. You did a good job. To actually a or, or To actually, and, or to answer Matt's question, having gotten my rant off my chest, God, that just bugs me. Um, yeah. The, essentially the, the way certificate chains work is that the root certificate, which is the. Signing authority has to be installed in your browser. It's funny that he mentions this also because about a week ago, I don't remember what led me to it, but I looked through under XP with IE7, the list of signing authorities. Oh, my God, Leo. The thing just scrolls on forever. It's it's phenomenal. Who certifies Um, the certifiers? Well, exactly. I mean, certainly... Microsoft is ultimately in control of the certificates for their browser. Uh, uh, presumably, the guys behind Firefox are gathering those together, and Opera and Safari and everything. I mean, the the browser vendor can you know set up the certificates that they want their 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 browser to accept. So you know, to answer his question, you you just can't normally get a random bogus certificate into a browser without deliberately installing it yourself and i have never heard of a situation where malware goes about doing that one hopes that the operating system and browser take some pains not to allow that to be an automated process or you can imagine that you could start getting, you know, bogus root certificates. On the other hand, there are there's a mechanism called a CRL, certificate revocation list, which if such a bogus certificate appeared, there are mechanisms for causing them to be revoked, you know, as soon as they are found. So, it's you know, basically that part of of our connections, the whole SSL stuff has been engineered, you know, very well by by our vendors. So, it's really, you know, not a big problem. Uh but boy, it bugs me that I can't have a green bar without, you know, well, spending a ridiculous think, amount of I money. And I think you know only the biggest
0: merchants are going to have green bars and I have to say it's going to really eliminate the usefulness of this. You know, I I uh I talked to somebody at Yahoo uh the other night at a party and uh they are implementing a site key system, much like the Bank of America site key system. And I said, well, you really only listen to our podcast. Uh, there seem to be some issues with the usability and not merely usability, because I hate site keys, but frankly, the security offered by a site key. That's the image that your bank displays and you're supposed to recognize it. And so forth. And fortunately, Yahoo's not going to make it um, uh, a must, but I, I'm a little disheartened to see them adopting, you know, the bank has to do it, I guess it's by law, but Yahoo doesn't. And I'm a little disheartened to see them adopting stuff like that.
1: Well, what you're bringing up, this issue of a site key, plays right into today's topic as it happens. Oh, good. Um, but I wanted to mention uh, we had uh, another reader, another li- uh, reader, another listener, Richard Collette in Beaumont, California. He said, hi, Steve. I was just listening to you and Leo on the Tech Guy podcast. Uh, and so I'm sure he means, I guess you do a podcast yeah. of your Tech Guy it's show. A radio
0: show. And since you appear every week on the radio show, he's hearing your segment on the radio show on the podcast
1: yes and so he says i heard you guys talk about passwords i thought i would share i would i thought i would share with you how i create passwords and the reason i'm bringing this up leo is here's one i've never heard before and (laughs) (laughs) he says i take the model number and serial number of my monitor put them together and I have a <laughs> and I have a very unique complex and unforgettable password. Yeah. If I, for, I forget it, I just turn my monitor around. Wow. this can be done with any device that is within arm's reach of your computer. If you want a unique password for each site, you can put the domain name part in the password as well. He says parens, I put it between the model and the serial number hmm. as, as long as you don't forget the device, you have used for, as the root of your password, you will never lose the password. Clever. Just don't tell anyone what the device is. Yeah, because I can just look on the back. <laughs> and, and actually, it is pretty, it's pretty neat, because, you know, I mean, not that passwords have to be absolutely unique, but serial numbers are going to be unique within a given family and, and model number of a monitor. So he's come up with a way of creating an, a complex, unguessable... Probably alphanumeric blob, which, if he should forget it, he can always recover it again. Right. So I thought that was kind of neat. Very clever. Very clever. And then I have, speaking of clever, I have a one very short little blurb that I just got a kick out of. This guy, uh, he's he's a listener, uh, Harvey Russ, and he says he starts off says, "Okay, this was an emergency. My T <laughs> my, my TiVo puked." Oh no, that's terrible. Uh, and I loved it that he's like, okay, you know, his TiVo dying is more of an emergency than his PC dying. He says, My TiVo puked. The weak knees tech support page said that the problem with my TiVo looks like a disk failure. Well, I have the fix. Spin right six. Yes. I resurrected the pair of discs in my Series 2 TiVo using the handy-dandy trusty Spinrite. Steve, thank you for your knowledge in hard drives and technology in general. I've been using Spinrite since version 1.0. Your faithful follower in technology, Harvey Russ. Lovely. So I thought that was neat. And I just got a kick out of, oh, my TiVo puked. (laughs) Forget about my computer. I need my shows recorded. That's a Linux disk. So uh, uh, it works fine on Linux. It does. In fact, what happens is on Series 1 TiVos, and I'm not sure about Series 2, but I think it may be the same, those are byte-swapped systems, meaning whereas... Whereas on Intel-based systems, we have what's called little endian format, where the least significant bytes come first. On certainly on the Power PC that was used in the original Series One TiVo, and I think also in Series Two, um, those are big endian systems where the most significant byte comes first. This is important because when Spinrite looks at the partition table on the drive. It will not find it on, uh, on TiVo's because the special signature word at the end of the partition table, which is a 55AA, will be swapped, and it'll be AA55. So Spinrite says, well, your disk is blank. Shall I go anyway? And so, obviously, Harvey said, please, and Spinrite took off huh. and just did the whole drive from front to back and resurrected his TiVo. Very interesting. So, yep, works on works on TiVos. All right, now
0: you've got me with this uh, title, and I have no idea what it means. So maybe you'd
1: better maybe you'd best explain, Mister. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain. Explain to um, me. Uh, it turns out that Microsoft has a guy whose title is Identity and Access Architect. Well, there you uh, go. His name His name is Kim Cameron. And he wrote such a nice setup for this that I'm just going to read it. This is in one of his blog postings. And as I was doing some research for this, I I mean, I could hear my own voice saying these things. These will not be unfamiliar concepts for anyone who's been listening to our podcast for a while. But he just does such a beautiful job with it that that I want to lead in with that. He says, the Internet was built without a way to know who or what You are connected to. Excuse me. Since this essential capability is missing, everyone offering an internet service has had to come up with a workaround. It is fair to say that today's internet, absent a native identity layer, is based on a patchwork of identity one offs. As he puts it, you know, everyone just doing their own thing. So this Basically, is exactly you know,
0: what we've been talking about the authentication it, issue.
1: Yes. He says, as the web increases, so does users' exposure to these workarounds. I'm sorry, as use of the web increases, so does users' exposure to these workarounds. Though no one is to blame, the result is pernicious. Hundreds of millions of people have been trained. To accept anything any site wants to throw at them as being the quote normal way unquote to conduct business online. They've been taught to type their names, secret passwords, and personal identifying information into almost any input form that appears on their screen. There's no consistent and comprehensible framework allowing them to evaluate the authenticity of the sites they visit. And they don't have a reliable way of knowing when they're disclosing private information to illegitimate parties, i.e. like phishing exploits. At the same time, they lack a framework for controlling or even remembering the many different aspects of their digital existence. People have begun to use the Internet to manage and exchange things of progressively greater real-world value. This has not gone unnoticed by a criminal fringe that understands the ad hoc and vulnerable nature of the identity patchwork and how to subvert it. These criminal forces have increasingly professionalized and organized themselves internationally. Individual consumers are tricked into releasing banking and other information through phishing schemes that take advantage of their inability to tell who they're dealing with they are also induced to inadvertently install spyware which then resides on their computers and harvests information in long-term farming attacks Hmm. other schemes successfully target corporate, government, and educational databases with vast identity holdings and succeed in stealing hundreds of thousands of identities in a single blow. Criminal organizations exist to acquire these identities and resell them to a new breed of innovators expert in using them to steal as much as possible in the shortest amount of time. The international character of these networks makes them increasingly difficult to penetrate and dismantle. Fishing and farming are now thought to be one of the fastest growing segments of the computer industry, if you can call it that, with an annual compound growth rate, get this, Leo, of 100, I'm sorry, of 1000%. Oh, man. That for makes exa- sense though. I mean it's growing outrageously. It absolutely does. He says for example, the Anti-Fishing Working Group Fishing Activity Trends Report of February 2005. Now this is so so this is the you know 2 years, two and years, and old. Half years ago. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Cites an annual monthly growth rate in fishing sites between July through February of 26% per month which represents a compound annual growth rate of 1,600%. Without a significant change in how we do things, this trend will continue. It is essential to look beyond the current situation and understand that if the current dynamics continue unchecked, we are headed toward a deep crisis. The ad hoc nature of the Internet internet identity cannot withstand the growing assault of professionalized attackers. A deepening public crisis of this sort would mean the Internet would begin to lose credibility and acceptance for economic transactions when it should be gaining that acceptance. That's the big
0: cost of this stuff is, is email and the Internet become less useful.
1: Well, in fact, I'm sure we've, I, I've heard reports, I'm sure you have, Leo, and our listeners probably have, or know people who have stopped using the Internet because they've been put off by it yeah. as a consequence yeah. of all this. Yeah, very scary. And so he, he, he concludes by saying, but in addition to the danger of slipping backwards, we need to understand the costs of not going forward. The absence of an identity layer is one of the key factors limiting further settlement of cyberspace. Further, the absence of a unifying and rational identity fabric will prevent us from reaping the benefits of web services. Web services have been designed to let us build robust, flexible, distributed systems that can deliver important new capabilities and evolve in response to their environment. Such living services need to be loosely coupled and organic, breaking from the paradigm of rigid premeditation and hard wiring. But as long as digital identity remains a patchwork of ad hoc one-offs that must still be hardwired, all the negotiation and composability we have achieved in other aspects of web services will enable nothing new. Knowing who is connected with what is a must for the next generation of cyber services to break out of the starting gate. Now, this is coming from
0: Microsoft. I hope that this doesn't mean another proprietary single sign-on initiative from them. They've said they're supporting OpenID, haven't they?
1: Well, that's where we're going today with the podcast because, of course, many people will be familiar with exactly what you were alluding to, which is the The hopefully defunct, if not still on its way toward defunction uh, and and always having achieved dysfunction passport passport. I mean, I, I, I tell you, there was for a while, there was a, you had to create a passport account to be an MSDN subscriber, which I am, you know, I pay my 2,500 bucks a year to receive DVDs of Microsoft's latest and greatest. And it just Irked me, and that's still true, by the way. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah. um, although I guess I, I guess I just must have one installed it's now. Automatic and, and it just and it's automatic. In. Yeah, but I mean, talk about a a, a, a dead on arrival solution. Yeah. The problem, of but course, not misguided. Not no no not misguided at all. Microsoft was right. The problem is, that, thank goodness, there are some things which are proving to be bigger than Microsoft. Right. And, and of course, thank goodness even, is right. <laughs> yes, you know, even we we, we were talking last week um, uh, in one of our errata about SPF, or was that today earlier the 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 uh, send the sender provider framework Yeah, that was uh, I think uh, last week's podcast. Yeah. Okay. Right. We, you know, I the can't whole, remember.
0: <laughs> you know, it's blurring together. <laughs>
1: the whole SPF deal. Microsoft tried to come out with their own that what that they were going to license and said oh well but it'll be a free license and fortunately the industry again you know email is bigger than microsoft and microsoft ended up having to compromise and basically you know meld their solution in and sort of they didn't never really wanted to admit it but you know they ended up adopting that protocol and saying okay fine you know we'll we'll do something that is interoper- interoperably compatible now the 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 real catalyst for Today's topic was something that has appeared in Vista, which has the strange name of card space. Mm. And in fact, I say strange, I think it's a bad name, especially when it was originally named InfoCard. For several years during development, it was called InfoCard, which actually I think is a better name for it. Maybe it wasn't available. They couldn't get a trademark, or they, you know, who knows why they ended up changing it from InfoCard. That was the you know the internal project name, but it's called CardSpace. What it is is essentially Microsoft's version of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago with OpenID. You'll remember that the, that OpenID promises and the good news is it is delivering on this promise cuz it is is so cool it promises to allow people a means for having a single authentication system which is completely open source and in the case of open id it is url based you you give your identity as a url to a page which you control, either an identity provider provides it to you. You have your own page on on MySpace, or what's the one you like now? Uh, oh, Facebook. Facebook.
0: Yeah, what's the one um, I like now? Let's <laughs> see, what week is it?
1: Who knows? By the time this airs, it could be anything. And and so the the page you control is looked up, and the the identity server you have assigned is then a, is the url for that is obtained the site you're wanting to authenticate with then sends your browser over to there where you along with some other information that it provides you authenticate with that third party service then it sends you back to the original site you wanted to authenticate to having signed essentially the package that that the that that um, that first site provided and so that's a way of using a single point of authentication among many different services, and it's very cool. The problem is, it really doesn't provide a mechanism for providing those sites with, with granular information which about you, which you are able to control. Um, and it's sort of inelegant. Your you know your browser is bouncing around the internet and it's not quite as seamless as as it could be. There are means to cache credentials and and to involve more scripting to make that that process more transparent, but still it's it's really not seamless. Well, what Microsoft has done and the reason this is called a meta system is they learned from their mistake with passport. They said okay, oops, Why did that not work? Well, everyone would immediately say, well, because it was yours, you know, and and sorry, Microsoft, we're sort of stuck using Windows and other stuff that you provide, whether we like to or not. I mean, a lot of Microsoft stuff is as good as anything else, but we don't want to have to. We want choice. And so what Microsoft did was they created a meta system which explicitly allows other sorts of authentication frameworks to be put underneath the user's experience. And I would be less enthusiastic about this if it were only on Vista, because, you know, I'm not there yet, and I know a lot of the world is waiting for this first service pack or longer. The good news is it will be this card space technology will be backported to ie7 on xp and it's there's already support for it for example in the open source community on linux and in safari and coming for firefox so what is it okay what this thing essentially does from a from a let's talk about the user experience first then we'll talk about what's going on underneath in a card space environment that is to say, running on Windows or in Safari. And it, by the way, it is Safari on the Mac that you that there is a card space compatible experience now.
0: Yeah, because there's no IE on the Mac anymore, so they don't.
1: Correct. Yeah. So, um, so you you say that I'm uh, an eBay auctioneer, and I want and I have a I have an eBay auctioning client. And th- that I use for managing my multiple auctions on eBay. So I want to authenticate myself to eBay. So I'll I launch my client this this eBay aware client. Um, it connects to eBay and gets from eBay a list of authentication parameters. Given that eBay uh, uh, were a um, a system that supports this technology. So essentially, it says, "What protocols do you support for authentication?" It it, it asks, um, "What trusted ID providers do you support, like Thought, Verisign, and and so forth?" And what information would you like from us? So there's a there's a protocol established that allows the a client running on my system to basically sort of get an an authentication requirements package back from somebody we want to authenticate with all transparent to the user what happens then is the there is a a hardened secure UI system or subsystem in windows called cardspace which the client is able to hand this packet to cardspace then presents a essentially a very simple and elegant UI to the user. It pops up and it looks like a series of credit cards. These are cards that and so so think of cards as an abstraction for an identity that contains some information. so so what happens is, The the packet goes to CardSpace. CardSpace looks at all the cards that reside on this user's computer. These may be cards that were issued by the government, by banks, by or and even by the user themselves. You're able to create your own cards. You don't need. They don't have to come from some certifying authority somewhere. So, so this packet says, okay, eBay trusts Thought and Verisign and you know Equifax or something and would like to uh have our email address as the as the, the token it uses to identify us. You know, for example, logging into eBay now, you give it your email address and your or or, or your use your username and a password. So so CardSpace looks at the cards it has, finds the intersection between those cards and what eBay eBay has said it wants, and presents that subset to the user. The user is able then to choose the card that they use for logging on to eBay, which will be among those in the subset. What then happens is that the card space system goes to the provider, like Thought or VeriSign, and, se- and sets up a, a secure connection and says, please get the user's email address associated with this credential. So and this is a key aspect of this. The personal information doesn't even reside on the user's computer. That's held securely and doesn't have to be held, but in this, in this case is, by the, the provider of the identity. So the bank or... The, the government or whoever has issued this credential actually has the information all that's in the card are some some tokens saying you know basically um, the user's email address maybe your, your 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 street address your mailing address your phone number you know basically any information that you want associated with that credential can be but the content of it is kept outside the machine so it is it is not available for for compromise because it's it's just it's not stored locally merely sort of a, a, a tokenized representation is so the provider sends this back to the user's machine now at that point and here's one of the critical aspects the user is always provided with a screen showing the that essentially which information is going to be disclosed. In this case, it would just be his email address. But one of the requirements for this system is that users always have complete control. The idea being this is not a system designed for the other party's benefit. This is designed for the end user's benefit. The end user selects the card and sees what information is be, is going to be disclosed before anything that identifies them leaves the machine so essentially although there's a lot going on behind the scenes it's a very simple transaction they you know you you fire up your your eBay client up pops a screen with a few cards on it you click on the one that you use for logging into eBay next thing you see is a, is a confirmation screen saying is it okay for us to send the following information to eBay? Oh, and get this: there's even now a an RFC, a, an Internet Request for Comments document, for how to securely embed logos, that is corporate huh. logos, in X.509, which is the standard uh, for security certificates, so that you're all you also see eBay's logo with enough crypto wrapped around it that there's no way for it to be spoofed. I think the logo helps a lot. I think that's important. I I really do, too. Yes, because, I mean, it's sort of like what you were talking about with with, with site keys. The idea being that it's something visual that the user can lock onto and, and remember and just sort of expect. He wants to see eBay's logo when... You know when he's about to click on a card and say yes, I want to send this information to eBay. So he just says yes, send it. So CardSpace returns this to the client, that returns it to eBay. All of this, of course, is wrapped in seriously strong crypto. You know we've 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 covered that aspect of of these transactions. Many times in our past podcasts, so that our our listeners understand that all of that is possible. It's very possible to authenticate and to protect this stuff, so that the the, the channels at each stage of the protocol are secure. So, from the user standpoint, it's a it's a very straightforward transaction. What I what this does more than Open ID. In its basic form, open ID, as we talked about before, is merely authenticates you, but it does it does provide you the luxury of not having to create individual credentials on every site you want to visit. You have a single point of authentication and it's all under your control. Well, the good news is Microsoft formalized their endorsement and support of OpenID as uh, a, as an underlying protocol Woo-hoo! for the so-called meta system. Good. I'm really glad to hear that. Well, it's it's perfect, Leo. Because what it means is that we get the. I mean, Open ID is already taking off, and CardSpace was just born. I mean, and it would it would likely again be stillborn, much as Passport was, if they hadn't learned their lesson and really taken the you know take taking their hands off this thing and did the right and you know did the right thing now you'll remember that we've talked in that I think it was on the the um tech guy podcast uh and 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 your show last week I mentioned how how I prefer Google checkout to PayPal from an ease of use standpoint because Google checkout does contain and provide to the vendor my whole little packet of information that I've authorized them to make available, so that I don't have to fill out the form. Well, this is the same sort of benefit here. You can you can create your own info cards yeah. and and say, okay, that's where this the card,
0: card. That's where card space comes from, right? You have a space of cards.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and I I mean I've I, I've I've seen it. Uh, Microsoft has has a nice little. Um, animated uh, Windows uh, video um, file that shows you this thing in use. I mean, it is it's really a nice user interface if this thing succeeds and because it's built on top of open source and open ID and, in fact, this thing is open enough that there is an Apache module in full open source. I mean, everything sitting there. That allows it to be a um, a client of Microsoft's Windows card space system oh, that's so nothing has been nothing I mean they've really learned their le- le- lesson. nothing has been kept away from from the open source community, so that I, I really am excited about this. I think this has a very good chance of succeeding. So
0: it doesn't supersede anything existing; it just coexists using uh open i d as kind of the underlying uh uh you know kind of common core
1: well, it doesn't actually use it it can support it. it yes, exactly. Okay. The idea is that the you know they, they've defined a number of things, for example um the um they call the relying party or r p the relying party is the entity that is is wants to receive the credentials they call the identity provider or ip that party that provides the identity and of course you have the 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 user sort of in the middle there which is arbitrating the conversations that go back and forth and the crypto is used in order to allow all the parties to authenticate each other and to provide this in a secure fashion, but it turns out that thanks to the evolution of XML, there's 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 something called SAML, which is another open standard, the Security Assertion Markup Language, uh-huh. which is an X an XML derived. Um, protocol essentially that uh, that allows this information to be conveyed and encrypted in a in, in a in a secure fashion that allows you know these parties to conduct open source dialogues of this kind of information so so essentially what it will mean is as this spreads as IE gets an add-on, I'm sure it'll be an ActiveX add-on to IE, and there, there exists one now for Safari running on the Mac. Um, it, it's available under Linux. It's, uh, Apache's got a module, Firefox will have one. This will provide a a very clean, sort of a front end, which is you are arguably easier to use from a user standpoint than having to have sort of a funky looking URL that you use to identify yourself. And it sort of manages multiple identities at the same time. There And there, there's nothing that says you always have to authenticate with the same identity. You could just, you know, since users are able to be their own IPs or identity providers, you're able to create an identity, you know, for example, over on Slashdot or over on e- uh, or eBay or over in random bloggings. And so, you know, again, the beauty of this is that, we stay in control, but there are things that are very powerful. For example, eBay that is a, a so-called relying party that you know that RP, it could also be an identity provider if, for example, we wanted to prove how you know, um, how trustworthy and what our eBay integrity is. Remember that eBay has that whole voting system and feedback system where sellers are able to to demonstrate, you know, what good sellers they are and buyers are able to demonstrate what good buyers they are. Well, imagine that you'd like to establish your identity as someone trustworthy over on eBay over on some other site, this system essentially allows eBay to securely package your credibility, your, you know, your um your your identity that you have earned over time there and export it to any other site that that you ask them to export it to. You can have them create the credential which they're standing behind to allow you to essentially not have to have your identity fragmented all over the internet, but be able to pull it together.
0: Well, it seems like a, a good solution, especially since it's integrated into Vista. Makes
1: yes, it a lot exactly. Easier. It'll just it'll just be built in. And we the, what I like about it is we don't have to. It, given that this takes hold, we don't have to, you know, move to Vista for it because we will have it in IE seven uh, running under XP, which is you know. Where, I, where I'm finally comfortable, and I'm in no hurry to go to Vista. It does concern me, though, because
0: I'm, uh, uh, as a Mac user, kind of left out in the cold. Well, I guess I can use Safari. That's right. You told me that. Yes, right. you
1: absolutely will, and theres I've seen screenshots of the Safari plugin, which is in beta now, cool. but is running and is successfully uh, processing credentials. I hope they put that on the iPhone. So it's going to be another step forward, Leo. Yeah, yeah.
0: very good. So, uh, card space, that's what Microsoft calls it, but uh, Steve just likes to call it Internet Identity Systems. and uh, I hope you've enjoyed this, <laughs> this trip down Metasystem Lane. <laughs> if you want to know more, of course, go to Steve's website, grc.com. You can get a 16-kilobit version of this show for the bandwidth-impaired and transcripts, along with Steve's uh, great program, Spinrite, uh, the ultimate disk recovery and maintenance utility, and of course, all his free software. Do want to also remind you that we are sponsored by Nerds On Site, the good folks who want you to join them to build your business. Nerds On Site at I Want To Be A They're growing. They need more nerds, uh, or geeks. You can use the word geeks. They're looking for, for folks with competencies in all areas: PC, Mac, Cisco, Oracle. You name it, they need it. Fix it technicians and website designers and programmers and project managers no matter what area you're uh, you're in in technology they can use you sales sure trainers security experts <laughs> naturally virus gurus if you're one of those types who likes to troubleshoot tear apart and rebuild your own computer in your spare time you ought to be a nerd independent contractors you're in business for yourself but not by yourself that's kind of the key they help you make your business work you focus on your passion and not the burdens of running a business. Seven countries now, and I think more all the time Canada, US, Mexico, England, Australia, South Africa, Bolivia. They've got a university of nerdology so you can hone your competencies while you're doing your favorite thing in the world. If you're a nerd, you love working with people, go to ww.iwanabe and register for a nerd's only a meeting in your area. That's I Want to Be a Nerd. Dot com. Steve and I are nerds. We're honorary nerds. Although I don't have the cute little Volkswagen Beetle I saw in uh, Vancouver with the Nerds on Site logo on it. That's what I want. <laughs> That's cool. And yeah, those guys are neat. They're really great. I want to be a nerd.com. Thanks for uh, supporting security now. So, Steve, have a great time at Harvard. Um,
1: I'm going to. Um, we're going to uh, a week from the time people are listening to this, we're going to answer for episode 99, the intriguing question, are you human? (laughs) And how do we know? That's great.
0: I love it. All right. We'll talk again next Thursday. And every Thursday, we're coming close to episode 100. Just a couple more to go. For Steve Gibson, I'm Leo Laporte. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Security Now. Security Now.